Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Caregivers Speak. This is Marjorie Patstein, your host. This afternoon, we have a wonderful guest, Virginia Sampson. And Virginia comes to us with a remarkable topic that I want to learn much more about, and it's a topic about compassion, why we should care about compassion. So we thank all of you for joining us. We thank eCare Diary for uh, being a partner and uh, providing us with archives of our shows. And um, please always look on eCare Diary on my website, mycaregivingcoach.com, for additional caregiver resources. And you can expect to hear an archive of Virginia's show um, in a couple days. So Virginia Sampson, who is she? Well, she was, still is actually, a full-time caregiver, uh, first for three years to her husband who died from ALS. Some of you may know that as Lou Gehrig's disease. She's currently a caregiver to her 92-year-old mother who suffers from dementia. Virginia is also an elder law attorney and deals with many families in crisis. So these experiences bring a person to us today who looks at caregiving from many angles. Um, Her many challenges in her life have led her to contemplate and eventually study what she calls the science of compassion. So welcome, Virginia. Oh, thank you, Marjorie. Thank you for having me on. And Virginia's website is CompassionMagic.com. I love the name of this website, CompassionMagic.com. So, Virginia, let's begin with what is it? What is compassion? How do you define it? And how does it matter in our lives, especially in caregiving? Well, so compassion is uh, a subject that we have to uh, is being studied all over the world and all over the United States, Stanford, Berkeley. So we, when we think about compassion, you, you've got to kind of get out of what I think we have traditionally thought of compassion as, you know, something that we invoke when we're at church or when we're doing volunteer work, right? But it's much mm-hmm. broader than that. So it impacts every part of our lives. And so compassion is when you, it, the social scientists define it as when you see someone in need, You'll hear various things, suffering, distress. It doesn't have to be anything terribly dramatic. It's anybody in need, and you are moved to help them. So you take some action to help them. That's what differentiates it from empathy. So empathy is the part where we feel another person's pain or distress. Compassion is the next step, which is we want to we help them. That's a great way to look at it. You know, I just came back from a trip. And, of course, I had a map, but I couldn't find my way around. And the people, this happened to be in Dublin, Ireland, and people were very compassionate. They came up. They noticed I was in need. I needed to figure out where I was going. And they took steps to come and help me figure it out. So at a lower level or at a given level, that's really compassion, right? It is. It can be the smallest act. It doesn't have to be anything huge. Yes, and I, I think a lot of us, uh, that's really important is the small acts of compassion are as important maybe as the larger ones. Great. So why can that matter in our lives? 
How can I guess well, I guess that question really suggests how does that help us as well as people that we're helping? So I talked about the research uh, being conducted all around the country and the world. So they've discovered a huge mind-body connection, right? So what we experience and emotionally is manifested physically in our bodies. And they have discovered that compassion and other positive emotions manifest themselves in positive ways in our body. Um, so they create a sense of well-being, um, and they lead to creating a success in every area of our lives, whether it's our health, professionally, uh, edu- with our education and our families and our communities. So what happens in our bodies, uh, you know, is translated into uh, creating a compassionate world, which then um, creates all these benefits for us and for everyone else. You know, that's that's really amazing. You think of, um, for example, in the workplace. A lot of caregivers are in the workplace. And, you know, when you think of your fellow employees even, you think of people who may not always be the smartest in the office or are the most skillful in some way, but the kind, compassionate people tend to be the people who are able to get things done. (laughs) And that's been my observation. Would that be an example of what you're talking about? Well, sure. Even in leadership or professionally, what makes businesses uh, successful, uh, and that means, you know, improving the bottom line as well as what makes you a successful leader, it's all based on relationships. Your ability to connect with and motivate people toward a common goal and so that a lot of compassion is involved in that because compassion, one of the benefits of compassion and why it's so powerful for us is that it builds strong connections with other people. And when you know, we all know when we're connected with someone, we're more likely to want to help them to, you know, um, to be moved to do things that they want us to do, whether you're the leader or whether you're the president of a company and a business. You work harder and you want to do more for those people that you feel care about you and that you're connected to. Yeah. So if we apply this to caregiving, um, tell us about that, benefits for caregivers. Well, first of all, just generally, uh, compassion has health benefits for all of us, right? And especially for caregivers because they're under so much stress. Um, By cultivating some compassion, they can positively influence their health. So just to name a few of the things that living compassionately does or practicing compassion does is it and actually reduces levels of cellular inflammation which we know are at the heart of a lot of diseases including certain types of cancer right when you're stressed out which caregivers are a lot uh, compassion actually lowers your blood pressure and your heart rate it reduces stress it strengthens our immune system and those are the things that i think are probably most important for caregivers but in the long term it helps us recover from disease faster, and it also helps us live longer. Those are just a few of the benefits. And there's a biology behind all of that, but I don't know that we have time to go into that right now. But just understand that those have all been studied, and those are benefits that have been studied by social scientists and then documented them in research. You know, my husband was recently in the hospital, and I found that if I approached medical personnel even under quite a bit of stress, which I was under, um, 
and I approached medical personnel from the point of view of, um, you know, kindness and compassion for them and their jobs. You know, people who are who work 12-hour work shifts, for goodness sake. That it automat it, it just it made me feel calmer in an interesting sort of way. That by by keeping my cool and approaching them and asking for their help and being compassionate for where they were as people in that moment, it came back to me. Would that be an example? Yes, compassion is contagious, and that goes for us caregivers too, but in your situation is right, right. When you show compassion, it does come back to you. It's like dropping a pebble in a pond. It not only spreads out to other people, but also spreads to yourself. It feels good. Part of that is is because it activates pleasure centers in your brain. You 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 emit uh, neurochemicals. One of them is oxytocin, right? And oxytocin they call the social scientists call the love hormone, and that's emitted during pleasurable activities. Um, you know, it's, it's emitted during breastfeeding. It's emitted during sex. It's emitted during things that can be very pleasurable. But it's also emitted when you are compassionate with other people. So that's one of the reasons that uh, doing that it feels so good. You emit oxytocin. That is so cool. That is so cool. So now I kind of have more of a definition for it because I know I felt it in that moment. So that's that's really great. Uh, Regina, well, it also you helps also, with our mental. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say it also helps with our mental health, right? It's been shown to alleviate depression and anxiety. Because obviously a big part of depression and anxiety is they're linked to states of isolation, right? We feel isolated. And so when you are compassionate and you are connecting with people or people show you compassion, then it takes you, that connection is obviously the opposite of being isolated and it can alleviate depression and anxiety. Yeah. Yes, and like you said, it feeds on itself because then those same medical people uh when they see you the next day, they come in for their shift, they look at you and they have a pleasurable feeling because somehow you had an interaction with them that was pleasant, not yeah, not unpleasant the day before. And so it does feed on itself. It lays the stage then, sets the stage for the next interaction, which is positive, even in, a say, a hospital environment. Right, because in part of compassion is you show that you value the other person, right? You care about them, uh, and that's huge. Who doesn't want to be valued and cared about on exactly. any level, in any, you know, wherever they may be? Yeah, yeah. So, Virginia, you also write and talk about self-compassion. Tell us about that. Boy, that really relates to caregivers, doesn't it? <laughs> It does, because I think caregivers, by, you know, by nature are already compassionate people because, you know, they're, they've taken on the task of caring for someone else often or most of the time without monetary compensation. And that's not to exclude the people that do it as a living, too, but you're not going to go into that profession and, or you're not going to undertake a family caregiving if you don't already feel a lot of compassion for the person that you're taking care of. So the challenge more for caregivers is self-compassion. And self-compassion is showing to yourselves exactly that kind of caring and value that you would show to the person you're caring to for or to, you know, anyone that might be in distress. And... 
how does incorporating compassion and this self-compassion alleviate and prevent our own burnout? So part of it is is again you're gonna you're gonna get some of the health benefits of of practicing compassion, right? You are going to you know have some pleasure. You're going to feel the oxytocin is going to be released. It should relieve depression and anxiety. It creates social connections. And just one more thing on the health issue. So studies have shown that a lack of social connection is a greater detriment to your health than obesity, smoking, or high blood pressure. So as a caregiver, you can feel very isolated. Self-compassion is one way to bring yourself out of that because as we often know and as I experience, you don't always meet people who feel compassion for you as a caregiver and what you are going through, right? So um, it's actually a social scientist to study this, right? And there are certain things that you can do to prevent burnout. And so burnout basically is, right, you're focusing a lot of your energy on helping others, uh, and you're not focusing much energy on helping yourself. And so the researchers have suggested that caregivers who are trained in self-compassion are much less likely to experience it. Uh, self-compassion involves being kind to yourself. There's, so there's three parts of it. I don't know how detailed we want to get, but basically there's three elements. Self-kindness, you're, mm-hmm. you recognize that this is all, what you're going through is a part of life, right? Uh, other people have gone through this. Other people are going through this. So rather than isolating yourself, you see yourself as part of humanity. And then, you know, being mindful as to how mm-hmm. you feel, right, including your difficult experience. You don't ignore it, which can cause problems later. You don't exaggerate it, but you just are aware of how you're feeling and what's going on in a non-judgmental way. Compassion and self-compassion are all about non-judgment. That's a, a key to all of it. So those yes. are the three elements determined. If you can practice those three uh, and they have certain practices that they've developed for that, can um, be more resilient uh, and less likely to burn out. And obviously, it's like anything we do in life, the more you practice that, and it doesn't have to be hours a day, the more likely you are to weather your caregiving ups and downs better and be more resilient to the stresses and strains that you're under. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a, such an important point, too. It doesn't take a lot to be mindful, to not be judgmental. To whenever you think, oh, I should have or I could have done something, to just say, no, 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 no. Take that word out, that word should, <laughs> because it's such a judgmental thing. So just little things can make such a big difference in the judgment and or being non-judgmental area. Right. I mean, there's no perfect caregiver, right? So you're you're not you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that you wish you would have done differently. That's just true in life, especially as a caregiver. I was there. You have days when you don't feel like you're particularly compassionate, right? But that, that's part of the self kindness. It's just you've got to forgive yourself. You're doing the best you can. You're in a very difficult circumstance, and yeah. yes, you're not going to be perfect, and that's okay. So be kind to yourself. Don't criticize yourself. Don't judge yourself. You know, say positive things to yourself. I'm doing the best I can. You know, I'm, you know, I I care about my, whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself. And it's not becoming narcissistic or vain. You know, we're all worried about that. This is just some affirming messages for yourself to show love to yourself and kindness to yourself the way you would to a friend. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you an example, and I want you to tell me how – I should think about this. So I'm, I'm going back to the hospital now and with my husband, 
as we all know, all those caregivers listening to this will, I hope, can relate to this if you've had a loved one in the hospital, as you have had, I'm sure, Virginia. So we all know that the doctor always tends to come and visit your loved one when you're not there, okay? So, <laughs> so you, you have several, you have a couple options. You can either <laughs> sit there in the room, in your loved one's room, day and night. You can sit there day and night because you are going to eventually see the doctor and be able to hear what she or he has to say to your loved one. On the other hand, you do have to leave, give yourself respite, find some food, take some rest, get some relaxation. Um, So back to my husband and I in the hospital. So I leave, and of course the joke was whenever I left, after 10 or 15 minutes the doctor would show up. And here I was, you know, shooting and quitting it and thinking, oh, no, I missed, you know. So what, and what is a way, would have been a way for me to look at that and, and give myself some slack and say, you know, it's okay. What would you, what would you do if, if you had been me? So just kind of what you said, if you're not there, you, will, you would say to yourself, you know, I, in order to be a good caregiver and be compassionate, I need to take care of myself, right? Yeah. I'm a better caregiver when I am not drained. So if that, and I need to go take my break, and I think that's just basically the most validating thing you could say. I mean, it's a coincidence that they show up then, but then you can also say to yourself, I can get some of this information maybe from the nurses, you know, if you have some anxiety around that. But I think basically you just need to validate that at that particular moment you just needed a break. Um, And that, so, you know, it just happened that that happened, but it's okay to take breaks. You need it. You're going to be a better caregiver. It's important for your health physical and mental that you take these breaks Uh, and like I said I think for caregivers if you say when I take these breaks I'm a better caregiver that always gives caregivers permission to take the break right because you you're going to be a better caregiver when you do you're you're more energized you're happy um, you you feel kind of grateful that you're making a difference in the world and caring for someone so that's all important and I think you need to focus on that in those moments I love it. I love that sentence you gave us, the affirmation of when I take a break, I feel better, you know, and and that's true. When I eat something, I feel better. <laughs> yeah. So a series of what I didn't, not what I didn't do, but what when I took that break, here's what it what it gave me, the benefit it gave me, and um, so that's a great way to a great way to look at it. What are some other simple practices? that we can all use to create more compassion for ourselves and for others? So there's a kind of a simple one you can do if you're in the middle of a caregiver meltdown, which I think a lot of us have gone through. So, you know, and it's always the little thing that sends us over the edges, and it's never the big thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're always into self-recrimination afterwards about how silly that was. You know, you start that whole downward cycle. So if you're in the middle of, you know, if you feel it coming on or you're you're experiencing some kind of a meltdown, the best thing to do is probably give yourself a hug. Mm, Uh, If there's nobody around to hug you, hugs and touching release oxytocin are very powerful. And that's about the simplest thing you can do uh, in a moment to comfort yourself. 
There's I love other it. things They're you like can around, you yeah. mean like right around the solar plexus kind of thing, just kind of pulling in and giving ourselves yeah. a hug. Yeah, just cross your arms across yourself and squeeze your shoulders like you would, mm. just like if somebody else were there. You just reach over and you just squeeze yourself. Mm. Nice. Yes. Great. I mean, you can do that other than when you're in a crisis, but that that's very, since it releases oxytocin, it really does help calm you uh, and re- reduce anxiety and stress and, you know, kind of get you, you know, feeling in a better place. Great. So then there's other ones that you can do more long-term to develop Um, Mm self-compassion. And they don't have to be – you don't have to devote a lot of time to them. I think it's more important frequency because, again, that's going to build your reserves so that you will become – you are less likely to be experience burnout. And, of course, if you're burned out, you might want to do these in a little bit more intensive to build yourself up. But one of them is like a loving-kindness meditation. And there's specific, specific, I'm sorry, steps that have been developed for this. But the idea is that you are, uh, people are sending you love, right, Mm -hmm. including yourself. You're sending yourself love. It's a meditation. You can envision people in your life sending you love. Right, that kind of fills you yeah. up, makes you feel good, and then you will send love out to other people and to the world. So you feel connected to everybody in this loving, the circle of love. I love and it. And the social scientists have proven that meditation does alter the brain chemistry, uh, and it changes how we respond to emotion, anxiety, depression, and stress. So this is very important. It gets you in a much better place. And, and I'm happy to share any of these with any of your listeners. There are specific steps. Um, people may not have time to do that, but the, you get the whole idea of feeling the love. I even put my hand on my heart sometimes, or where my, you know, I imagine my heart is, and it's amazing how just touching there can make me start to feel some love and peace. So I that's love one. There's also doing um, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope and there's also one called the self-compassion break we just talked about, which is a quick little break. You know, being huh? stopping the negative self-talk. Remembering that this is a part of life. You're not isolated. You're not alone. Other people have gone through this. Just being mindful. Mindfulness is huge in this because it gets you to focus on what's going on with you at the time instead of, you know, beating yourself up over what's happened in the past and worrying about what's going to happen in the future. You try to stay focused on what's going on right now. That's one of the reasons. It just has a lot of benefits for you. Oh, this is all wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, you know, We're getting a bit toward the end of our uh, half an hour, but this is something um, I'm hoping that you would come back and give us specific uh, steps for some of these things. I think that people would really love to have that as well. And uh, so I hope that that you do that, uh, Virginia. Oh, I would love to. There's just so much more on this topic. It's a fascinating topic, and I think we, we... all need, not need, I think I think we need to live in somewhat of a compassionless world. I think we need to spread this, inspire other people to be compassionate. And if we practice compassion, the world will be a much better place for caregivers and everyone else. Well, we see so much that is not very compassionate these days, particularly um, television and Internet and all of that. Uh, the world surely needs um, what you're describing. Tell us just in our last couple moments, um, your website, which I love, the name Compassion Magic. What is a uh, what would our listeners 
uh, see if they go on your website? Well, they can find me, uh, you know, my links to, I'm on uh, Facebook, and I post articles and things about compassion. I'm on LinkedIn, where I also post articles. I'm on Twitter. You can see some a video of me speaking, and some of the services that I offer, I consult with organizations and people about developing compassion and self-compassion. I have a couple of books that I've written that are on there, so they can find out more about me. They can email me from there, and I'm happy to share any information that I have with them. Uh, to, you know, help them, uh, you know, lead a better life. Oh, that's terrific. So the website is CompassionMagic.com. Give us the names of a couple of your books as well. Well, my book is actually Compassion Magic. It's the book for adults. So, yes. So it's about uh, sharing our story. I think part of being connecting with people is being vulnerable. So we have to be able to open up. And so it's part of sharing my story with people to connect with them and hopefully they'll share their stories with other people in their lives. And the other one is Superhero Sam Saves His Family. It's about uh, developing compassion in children. Uh, it's a story about a little boy becomes a, or a little girl, either one that becomes a superhero because uh, she or he is compassionate and thoughtful and thinks of others. Oh, wonderful. Oh, that's terrific. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Well, I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. Um, And we'll have you back. Um, And I want to remind our listeners that, as always, there will be an archive of this show. If you have friends or if you'd like to listen back to hear all of Virginia's thoughts and tips today, uh, please do that. The archive will be on My Caregiving Coach and on eCare Diary in the next 24 to 48 hours, and um, please go on Virginia's website, CompassionMagic.com. Thank you so much, Virginia. Thank you, Marjorie, for having me on. I hope people get something of value out of it to enhance their life. I know that they will. You're doing incredibly important work. And thank you to all of you listening to us today on the radio. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.